This show has bad words and spoilers. If you don't like that, then you can bite my shiny metal ass. Please listen responsibly, you stupid human. Friends! Countrymen! The strange Dave doppelganger with probably hot dog fingers and hot dog toes. Let's be honest with you. Or a rock with googly eyes. That could happen to if the rock had hot dog anything. Hot dog appendages at all. I'd be the most. Uh, beer me your ears. I'm Dave Michaels. I'm Brian Betts. And welcome to Beer Me a Movie. It's the movie podcast where me and Brian go back and forth every week, surprising each other with movies. We have no idea what's coming up in the last week of every month. You, the audience, get to hear me in the movie. I am still hooked on this idea of a rock with hot dog appendages. I'm sorry for rushing through everything beforehand, but we got to get to the important part. <laughs> that is this new question that this movie somehow didn't address. It addressed everything else, didn't address this. Everything you could possibly imagine is addressed by this movie except Dwayne Johnson. That's true. This week was my pick. I went with a movie I've never seen before. And Brian, you hadn't seen it either, right? That's true. Had not seen it. Had become highly recommended. I was very excited to see it and almost picked it last week. Or two well, weeks I'm ago. glad I beat you to it because this week we were talking about everything, everywhere, all at once from 2022, directed by The Daniels, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert. Scheinert? He's got a last name and it's pronounced away, but they are the Daniels. They are the Daniels, and that's the right way to go when you can't pronounce someone else's last name. Just uh, <laughs> part know. of us on the same first day. Directed by Daniels. I feel like everyone and their mother recommended this movie to me. Yes, and it's crazy to look at like the Daniels' previous work, and it's like, oh yeah, they did a couple music videos. They did the Turn Down for What music video, a Tenacious D music video, and then they did Swiss Army Man. Yeah, they came out swinging didn't they yeah and then this and it's like wow okay you guys are just you're here now you are here now because there's a certain level of talent that you need to have to make whatever this is coherent <laughs> yes it is surprisingly followable for everything that it does that's because there's so many layers to this thing it's unbelievable the way it's put together legitimately one of my favorite film watching experiences i've had in a long long time i completely agree with that and it's definitely my favorite multiverse movie of 2022 and if you know anything about me it's <laughs> a big statement it is a very very big statement dr strange ain't got shit on this <laughs> you want to get into this thing there's so much to talk about i feel like with there this is a lot to talk about there's almost an infinite amount of things to talk about with this movie <laughs> yes um, that's true what we're going to do is we're going to assign this thing a score going through our usual 10 categories Starting off with story and motivation, brought to you by Wikipedia. Please give us a dollar. Everyone should give Wikipedia a dollar. Then maybe they'll stop asking as much as they do. But let's face it, we all abuse it. No, we definitely do. <laughs> <laughs> and for something that's so editable, we take it as fact often. <laughs> <laughs> they, like all the time. They source their, their information, but nobody ever checks those sources. No one does. It's a lot like a footnote that, like, you finish paper in college, you put the footnote there, and you're like, that book doesn't even exist. And they have no idea. <laughs> There's a number there that goes to a link, allegedly, but I'm just going to take the part that I read as fact. Yeah, they're not going to open up The Great Gatsby to page 102 and just hope that the quote I said is there. They're not going to do that. That's true. 
Who has the time? In this movie, everybody and nobody. That's true. And we will get there. (laughs) We sure will. But here is uh, the plot according to Wikipedia. In China, years before the events of the film, Evelyn Kwan Wang, played by Michelle Yeoh, Michelle fucking Yeoh. Thank you. That was like the single most offensive thing you've ever done since I've known you. I was so just gung-ho to get into the movie that I, I forgot about fuckings. There you go. Uh, if they knock it out of the park and they're incredibly good or awesome or whatever, uh, just above a normal person, they get a fucking for a middle name. To get that middle name. Evelyn falls in love with Waymond Wang, played by Ki Hoi fucking Kwan. He's back. He's after a long hiatus. Yeah. He is back, and damn it, he is amazing. He is so impressive for not acting in a long time. I want to say he took 20 years off of it from acting. He did. And, and then came back. You know like him this. as the kid from The Goonies and the kid from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. And now he's a grown ass man and he's in this and he is just flexing. I mean, the, the way this man just switches from one character to a complete different character is the most impressive thing I've seen in a while. They're both believable. It's true. And that's like including like Split with James McAvoy. Yeah. Where he puts on a master class in doing it. And Kihua Kwan and Data from <laughs> the Goonies. <laughs> not the mark. I'm not going to try it. And short I'm not going to try it. <laughs> that one. <laughs> so Evelyn falls in love with Waymond, which, which I like to imagine is, is uh, Robert from Everybody Loves Raymond's way of saying it, like cutesy, like, Oh, hey, Waymond. 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 I love you, Waymond. <laughs> Evelyn falls in love with Waymond, and against her father's objections, they elope to the United States. The couple open a laundromat, and they have a daughter, Joy, played by Stephanie fucking Shue. So good. So, so good. Who becomes rebellious and begins to drift from the family as she reaches adulthood. Is a teen, or slightly above a teen. She's the rebellious stage. Yeah. She's in that, that age where you're like, I know everything. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> Part one, everything. Evelyn is a Chinese-American immigrant who runs a laundromat with Waymond. Tensions are high. The laundromat is being audited by the IRS. Wayman is trying to serve Evelyn divorce papers. Evelyn's demanding father, Gong Gong, played by James Hong, is arriving James from Hong Kong. Hong. James fucking Hong. James fucking Hong. Yeah, I was trying to do the rhyme thing. I was going to get back to the fucking. Fair enough. Gong Gong, played by James Hong, arrived from Hong Kong. <laughs> All right. Now I see where you were going. I'm sorry. And uh, Evelyn's lesbian daughter, Joy, wants her mother to accept her non-Chinese girlfriend, Becky, played by Tally Metal. Probably doesn't need a fucking in this. She's barely in the movie. Barely in the movie. She is likable. Sure. But all that's going on. There's a lot happening. Right. At a fractious meeting with the IRS inspector Deidre Bobidra, played by Jamie <laughs> fucking Lee Curtis. I did not know that was her name. <laughs> uh, when I saw that her last oh, name was Bobidra, man. it made me so happy. Deidre Deidre Bobidra, the banana fan of Fofidra. Me, my mo, Midra. Jimmy Lee fucking Curtis. Jimmy Lee fucking Curtis. Waymond's body is briefly taken over by Alpha Waymond, a version of <laughs> Waymond from the Alphaverse. Let the tomfuckery begin. Alpha Waymond explains to Evelyn that many parallel universes exist as every life choice creates a new universe. Now, we all know how this works. Basically, if I decided to have 
I don't know, Wheaties this morning instead of a delicious smoothie or something. Like, my day's obviously going to go a little bit differently. Right. Not much, but enough that it would cause a different branch in reality to exist. Yeah. So, in theory, somewhere there is a Dave enjoying a sweet, sweet smoothie and probably living a hell of a lot cooler life because he had that sweet, sweet smoothie. And I don't have any regrets about the breakfast choice I had this morning. I don't. It sounds like you might regret not having a smoothie a little bit. No, I'm fine. Thank you. Well, if Ashton Kutcher has taught me anything, that smoothie decision compounds infinitely until something's very different down the road. Right. Butterflies affecting your life. That's what butterflies do. The Alphaverse, led by the late Alpha Evelyn, developed verse-jumping technology, enabling people to access the skills, memories, and bodies of their parallel universe selves by performing bizarre actions. This was fascinating to me. It's It's such a weird choice, but it works within the context of the movie. So insanely well, because it's just all of a sudden somebody will do something completely obscene, like snort a fly, and they'll end up in a different body in a different universe, learn all of these skills, and then go right back into their other body and perform, you know, amazing human feats. Whatever the acquired skill is of that person. Like, at one point, Evelyn chugs an entire two liter of orange soda. (laughs) Yeah. Which is insanity. Like, even Kel Mitchell's looking at it like, that's a bad idea. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> think I'd do that. <laughs> the multiverse is now threatened by Jobu Tupaki, the Alphaverse version of Joy. Her mind was splintered after Alpha Evelyn pushed her to extensively verse jump. I'm already confused just by wording. And I watched this thing and it wasn't that confusing. But I feel like this is a good time to say, if you haven't seen this, pause it here. Uh, yeah, and then come sure. back. This one's definitely worth checking out before going through <laughs> whatever Wikipedia says happened. Right. Because Wikipedia is probably going to be like, uh, remember Gary from Jack and Jill? He wasn't in this movie. <laughs> oh, Gary. <laughs> Jobu now experiences all universes at once and can verse jump and manipulate matter at will. She has created a black hole-like everything bagel that threatens the multiverse. I feel like Marlon Brando would be so jealous of this bagel. Oh, man. Like, they finally did it. Finally, the bagel has come to the screen. Marlon Brando famously wanted to portray the ghost of Jor-El in the Superman 78 movie as a floating green bagel that made electronic beep-boop noises and uh, that didn't happen. I don't know why. I don't know why either, but now we finally got our on-screen bagel. We finally got it. And basically, it is a bagel that Joy decided to put everything on. (laughs) I love it. Meaning all of existence is on this bagel. And she describes it in like the most poetic way imaginable. (laughs) I added all my hopes, all my dreams, sesame seeds, poppy seeds, salt. (laughs) It's amazing. Like, I want to eat your hopes and dreams. At this point, the way you described it, it sounds delicious. It does. It's a shame that the Alphaverse doesn't have cream cheese for that delicious everything bagel. No, it's true, but you got to imagine that there's got to be like some Alphaverse Guy Fieri out there who wears his glasses on the front of his head, like a normal person, and not just like the back of his head, like the douchebag that we have (laughs) in our beta universe, the Guy Fieri. You leave Guy Fieri alone. I don't know if I can. (laughs) The man loves donkey sauce and he's hurting nobody. That's actually a good point. That uh, It is unwarranted for me to throw the shade at him. 
<laughs> it is unwarranted. You're right, Brian. And I want to issue a public apology to no one. Yeah. No one at all. Put your sunglass on the front of your face where your eyeballs are, you bleach-tipped fuck. Tell me how you really feel, Dave. That is the mayor of Flavortown. How dare you? <laughs> I'm aware it's the mayor of Flavortown. I'm taking no prisoners now, though. I, I finally, I, I kicked it up a notch. Bam! Oh. In my own head. I'm not an emerald head. Don't worry. Okay, good. Let's cause... all calm down. <laughs> Given the choice. <laughs> Given the choice, I'm taking Guy Fieri all day. <laughs> all day. <laughs> and twice on days where I'm going to eat food. Right. Bleached my tips and put flames on my shirt because sign me up to one-way ticket to Flavortown. He's wearing those stupid flame shirts or whatever they are. Bowling shirts? Oh, my God. Oh, man. Like, it's a style. I He's get it. It's a delightful. style. delightful. He exists. <laughs> More on cooking shows in a bit. <laughs> Maybe. Probably. I have a feeling I'm not done, so <laughs> stay tuned. <laughs> Evelyn is given verse-jumping technology to fight Jobu's verse-jumping minions, now converging on the IRS building. And these minions are just people. They are just people. They're just- Who uh, got taken over because they wore, like, the Bose earbuds of life or something. I, I don't know <laughs> how this works, but it's a neat visual. It is pretty cool. And now just, you know, these regular civilians are attacking this woman at the IRS. As you do. She learns of Wayman's plans for divorce. That's a thing that happens. Around this time of the movie. <laughs> yep. <laughs> she discovers other universes where she made different choices and flourished, such as becoming a kung fu master and Chinese movie star. And in that same universe, Waymond is a successful businessman. That's a good life right there. It is, but that life also doesn't have a joy, and I thought for sure that's where this movie was going to go. That would have been fantastic if that's where it went. How, like, the whole ending of it it's just like oh the secret to happiness was no kids the whole time <laughs> i mean if, i got three fuck you i could say that if the kid is a villain maybe the universe that doesn't have the kid is the one you want to hang out in. <laughs> maybe <laughs> do you think all those people would have gotten eaten if mrs Dahmer hadn't boned the universe finds its balance one way or another somebody else would have eaten those people <laughs> that's true it was written in stone that those people were going to be other people food yeah, the, the fates allowed it. It was destiny. <laughs> Alpha Wayman believes Evelyn, as the greatest failure of all Evelyns in the multiverse, has the untapped potential to defeat Jobu. I love what he says about her. He's like, there's literally nothing spectacular about you. <laughs> Every single decision you've ever been faced with, you made the wrong one. So she is just full-blown potential. Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> Alpha Gong Gong instructs her to kill Joy to stop Jobu from entering her universe, but she refuses because, you know, it's her daughter. It is her daughter. She decides to face Jobu by gaining powers that she earns by repeatedly verse jumping while chased by Jobu's minions and Alpha Gong Gong's soldiers. And this is where your brain breaks. This is just Evelyn jumping from universe to universe, experiencing new weird shit. That's a... A way of putting it, the movie flows in such a way that the universe jumping is completely coherent. Absolutely. And it is not completing a scene with, like, breaking out to fulfill its own scene of her being like a Chinese movie star or something. That happens in the middle of her being a sushi chef or something like that. Right. And it is just flowing the entire way going forward. 
It is just genius storytelling. It's so well done. Jobu locates and kills Alpha Waymond in the Alphaverse. As Jobu approaches Evelyn, Evelyn's mind splinters and her body falls lifeless. Yeah, she experienced too much everything. She broke her brain. The, 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 the pot, the water pot broke. That's what they call her brain. All the cracks in her water pot. Symbolism. <laughs> <laughs> Part two, everywhere. Evelyn's detached consciousness verse jumps to diverse universes. I feel like it should be like universi. <laughs> Universes. <laughs> what do you think Guy Fieri would say? Different place. It doesn't matter what Guy Fieri would say. Uh, the Rock's back. I had to include him. He's coming up. <laughs> he briefly. is coming soon. <laughs> Including one which humans have hot dogs for fingers, and she is in a romantic relationship with Deidre. Now, I can't stress this enough about these hot dog fingers, is that they are proper hot dog fingers they absolutely they just are. kind of flop around they use their feet to do everything that we use our hands for because their <laughs> hot dog fingers are useless absolutely. but also i'm pretty sure it's sex if you bite a hot dog finger uh yeah I'm pretty it, sure it definitely squirts ketchup and mustard in a very um nsfw way that's right <laughs> and another universe where she works alongside a teppanyaki chef chad played by harry shum jr who is secretly puppeteered by a raccoon played by Randy fucking Newman. <laughs> I can't believe it. <laughs> uh, that is the raccoon universe, of course. That is a fantastic scene when she's explaining raccoon and her daughter Joy is cracking up like, you mean Ratatouille? She goes, no, raccoon <laughs> He's got the raccoon on his head controlling everything he does. And then she ends up in the actual raccoon universe, and it's, uh, it's amazing. It really is. She gets back to her home universe and confronts Joy to get Jobu to emerge. Jobu explains that she created the Everything Bagel to destroy herself, believing as there are so many universes and unending chaos, nothing matters, and she wishes to no longer exist. We got real problems now, real issues that real are being issues. addressed. Yeah, she is not trying to destroy the multiverse. She's trying to destroy herself. Yeah, it's not great. Like, There's a whole scene at the beginning of this where Evelyn is a tiger bomb. Yes. But she's also like progressive enough that she's accepting Joy is a lesbian right. with Becky. But Evelyn is not ready to tell Gong Gong about this yet because she's not sure how he would handle it. Yeah. And she like steps in and says like, oh, this is uh, Joy's really good friend. And Joy gets really upset and cries and runs away as she probably should in that situation. Yeah, that, that seems like a fair reaction. And then, of course, her mom catches up to her and says, hey. And you you're think there's gonna fat. be there's gonna be a heartfelt <laughs> moment, but instead it's eat healthier, you're getting fat. Oh god, moms are tough sometimes. <laughs> but there are real issues happening. Yes. And you start to recognize that everything that is sort of playing out here is just I'm not sure if it's total imagination or if it is just a really, really elaborate metaphor. <laughs> it's tricky the way it's blurred, and I love that. Yeah. Jobu has been searching for an Evelyn who can understand her choices and has been killing off all the versions who can't. And at one point, they're rocks on a cliff talking to each other via uh, subtitles. And it's such a good scene. It is unbelievably beautiful. And it really is. Heartfelt somehow. It's just two rocks on a cliff. That's all it is. Impressive. And it's silent the entire scene. I, I don't know. This scene like blew my mind the way they pulled it off. 
I I was in actual shock at how well it worked. Man, what a moment. On peering into the bagel, Evelyn is persuaded and begins <laughs> to act nihilistically in her own universes, including signing the divorce papers in her home universe. Evelyn is about to enter the bagel with Jobu and end all her multiverse lives, but pauses upon hearing Wayman's pleas in another universe for everybody to stop fighting, be kind, and have hope, even in a universe where nothing makes sense. Yeah, Wayman is like the ultimate catalyst. Just the best good dude that you can imagine. Yeah, just an absolute sweetheart. I want a Wayman. I do. I do too. It's hard not to want a Wayman. I love you, Wayman. Like, when my wife asks what I want for Christmas this year, I'm going to say Waymond. She's going to be like, what the fuck what are you is a talking Waymond? about? You mean Raymond? I mean Waymond. It's always been Waymond. Waymond. <laughs> oh, Waymond. Evelyn changes her mind and begins to repair the damage in her other universes. We should know, Waymond has this thing where he puts googly eyes on all the stuff to make them seem happier. It's like an on-running joke. Where I guess he did this with Evelyn when they were both younger. Yeah. When he was like courting her, putting this googly eye stuff around. It made her laugh and it was a good time. But now Evelyn kind of sees it as just like stupid more than silly and fun. Yeah. She's, she's grown cynical. She even gets mad when there's googly eyes on Jenny Slate's laundry. I forgot Jenny Slate's in this. And she, she swings a, a dog. dog around. <laughs> <laughs> she also kicks a dog at one point. She absolutely does. She beats the hell out of a dog. As Debbie Big Nose the Dog Mom. Like, I wonder how they got her into this, because I can't imagine, like, the real Jenny Slate is like, money, please. <laughs> but it's, like, such a perfect cameo role. It's really good. And it took me so off guard when she showed up. I was like, oh, that's Jenny Slate. And okay, now she's out of the movie. Well, it was in that moment I was like, this is a comedy. Yeah. Like, it didn't, like, hit me until Jenny Slate was in. I was like, this is a comedy right but it's also not but it mostly is it's wild how many different genres this movie hops across all at once <laughs> hey right. you're a little early on your part three but uh <laughs> you're right way to way to set it up <laughs> you're gonna knock it down shortly <laughs> evelyn defeats alpha gong gong and jobu's fighters by using her multiverse powers to find what is hurting each of them and bring them happiness. It's a lot of hugging. So much hugging and fixing spines. <laughs> right? She's like, does chiropractic bending on a man? <laughs> advanced chiropractic bending. It is very advanced. <laughs> and she like snaps this guy's neck and he's like, oh, thank you. And you're like, you should be dead. Right? That looked like it hurt. But also, you were trying to kill her a second ago. and all It, it took, was like a second all ago. All it took was crack. <laughs> I don't understand how chiropractors do it. I've never understood it. Every single time I see a video of a chiropractor, I'm like, that person should be dead. That person should be dead. Like, how do more people not die? Yeah, I get their doctors. Fine. But, like, you people don't bend that way. And weirdly enough, whenever, like, a, a chiropractic video pops up on, like, Twitter or something, I watch it every single time. Absolutely. And then the algorithm I don't know is like, why. give him more of that. And eventually, <laughs> you're going to see the one where someone dies. Well, that's, like, the secret hope in a way. Like, you want to see it like go NASCAR. way too far. How you have like the, the chiropractor like just snapping like a mom's neck and she's like, oh, I'm all good. And then like the clock hits 10 o'clock goes, okay, now good. It's chiropractors after dark. And he snaps the neck the other way. 
at that point. <laughs> it's like <laughs> 10 o'clock. Do you know where your moms with bad necks are? Dead. What we're trying to say is every chiropractor is secretly a murderer. Oh, without a doubt they are. Like they harbor that in the back of their head. Next time you go to get your sweet spine aligned or your neck cracked, just know that they love having that power. They <laughs> love it. There go all of our chiropractor listeners. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Swoop. <laughs> we, we lost them all. <laughs> Except for the ones that are like, no, they're absolutely right. Also, dentists, not a real doctor. There, I got rid of them too. <laughs> One medical field at a time. And I say <laughs> medical right. in quotation marks. We're looking at you, dermatologists. <laughs> uh, fuck off, nutritionists. <laughs> oh, man. This is taking a turn. Yeah, this got, this got aggressive. We're down to, like, no listeners now, <laughs> realistically. It's just like pediatricians, and we say fuck a lot, so... Uh, maybe don't do it in front of the kids. <laughs> wear, wear earbuds during office hours. While you're diagnosing your chicken pox or whatever it is you do. <laughs> don't. Most of the time you bring a kid to the, the pediatrician, just like, yeah, that's a normal kid thing. You're like, he literally projectile vomited to the ceiling <laughs> like he was goddamn exercised or something. <laughs> His head is facing the wrong direction. No, that's normal kid stuff. Yeah, he's five years old and in kindergarten. That's going to happen. Like, that's not how this should work. He's crawling on the ceilings? Yeah, that's normal. Yeah, that's all part of it. Did he uh, get any other teeth this week? No? Yeah, this is fine. Then he should be on the ceiling. <laughs> Please don't leave us pediatricians. <laughs> we need you pediatricians. We already lost our dentists and dermatologists and nutritionists and <laughs> chiropractors. <laughs> right. Sorry that... Uh, you work on small bodies because you weren't good enough to work on the big ones. <laughs> oh, no. What? Uh, Is that wrong? I, I t- <laughs> Like, adults have real problems, I feel like. And kids are just growing up. That's all I tell you. So, yeah, that's a normal thing. You know, kids will be kids. I'll believe pediatricians when they're like, oh, man, your kid's got really bad eyesight. We can either do glasses or here's a joint. <laughs> that would be a cool-ass pediatrician. That would be... Somebody who I, w- I would fear for their medical license. Hey, my little blurry one, blurry one, <laughs> pass it to the left and get rid of my glaucoma. See, we can all do it, Weird Al. We can all do it. <laughs> now we've lost him, too. Oh, no, not our Weird Al <laughs> listeners. Which would just be listener singular, unless Daniel Radcliffe was also listening. We love him. Hard stop. So we've thrown a lot of hate this episode. <laughs> yeah, this movie did it to me. It's like so damn heartfelt that I'm like fighting it. It's super heartfelt, but also very nihilistic at the same time until it's not. Exactly. And we're almost there. That's right. So Evelyn reaches Jobu and tells her that she's not alone and that Evelyn will always choose to be with her despite everywhere else Evelyn could be. In her home universe, Evelyn confronts Gong Gong and reconciles with Waymond and Joy. Wayman convinces Deidre to let the Wangs redo their taxes. Jobu and Evelyn reconcile and embrace. Hooray! Look at that. Everywhere. We did it. We did the everything. We've done the everywhere. And now we go to part three, though, all at once. All at once. And you should be grateful that I didn't make any Dr. Seuss references this entire episode, and I had every right to do it. (laughs) You actually did on this one. So, you are welcome. Oh, the references you could have made. 
That's right. Next time you see me, uh, you can either give me a high five for not doing it, or you can play with the walk-it in my pocket. Yep. That's, uh, I'm going to pass on the walk-it playing in the pocket. And just to let you know, the jurtons do match the curtains. Yeah, of course they do. On your pocket walk-it. <laughs> the family's lives and relationships have improved. Becky is now accepted. Wayman and Evelyn share a romantic moment, and they return to the IRS building to refile their taxes. As Deidre talks, Evelyn's attention is momentarily drawn to her alternate selves in the multiverse before she grounds herself back in her home universe. It is just the ultimate daydream, realistically. That's why you don't know if it all actually was real or whatever it might have been. She says, like, oh, can you repeat that? I didn't hear you. But, man, that is a hell of a line to go out on because that is everything, everywhere, all at once, 2022, directed by the Daniels. And to steal a line... From Letterboxd, from May 4th, 2022, damn, Daniels. (laughs) Uh, That is appropriate. This movie is so, so, so well done, full-blown 10. I am in complete agreement on the story motivation being a full 10. And it's mostly, I can't believe they pulled it off. It's extremely impressive and... I'm going to get more into that in a minute. But let's talk about the casting. Michelle Yeoh, Ki Hua Kwan, and Stephanie Hsu really carry this thing. James Hong's fantastic. Jamie Lee Curtis is beyond fantastic. She's so good and such a surprise the first time she shows up and then just carries it the rest of the time. I'm going to go with a nine. What I love about this is when they first started writing this back in like 2010, they were writing it as a Jackie Chan movie. And it didn't take them very long to realize, like, no, this would be way better if we had a woman lead. They're completely right. And also, Aquafina was supposed to play the joy part. Right. And I'm very happy she didn't. I feel like that would have been too distracting. I think it would have been distracting. I agree. Because she's a much more famously comedic actor. And Stephanie Hsu does exactly what Ki Hua Kwan does, like, this entire oh, yeah. movie. Just able to turn it Just- off and on at will. Uh, Nine. Nine. I don't know what would have gotten it to a 10. I don't either, but damn it, so good. It is so good. The protagonist is, of course, Evelyn. It's a tricky role to play because Michelle Yeoh is a treasure. Yes. And she's so talented and she's so good in everything she's in. And for her to have to really turn off everything that makes her her in a way. Yes. Like, she has to play a complete pile of shit, <laughs> but has to do it in this endearing and hopeful way Yeah, of yeah. understanding, like, man, I really didn't live out my life the way I should have. But also, it turns out, that's the reason why she's so special. Right. And uh, I just, I love that arc. And I, and I love that she gives in to this nihilism once she learns about the everything bagel and and sees the infinite possibilities of the universe all at once and realize there really is no point to all of this. And then she finds that purpose within Waymond and Joy. Within her family that's already there. Exactly. And again, going back to the idea of did this actually all happen or is it a metaphor? I still don't know. I still don't care. I think it's fucking beautiful. But Joy at the end even confronts her mom like, I know you're going through some shit right now. Yeah. And she very, very much is. Evelyn's going through this deep midlife crisis. 
even if none of the actual multiverse stuff really happens, she's still punching IRS agents, signing the divorce papers in a fit of rage, you know, taking out the window of her laundromat with a baseball bat when the cops show up. That absolutely did happen. All of that stuff is, you know, you can tell she's going through it. She really, really (laughs) is. Ten. Ten. I love it. No, no, no. This is one of my favorite female roles I've ever seen on film. Eleven. Eleven. Especially in that lead and her having to carry just the absurdity that is this story. And do it so, make it look so easy. She really does make it look so easy. And she's the perfect through point for this story. She is. Just the way that she acts it out. How, like in one scene, she's this movie star in China and she gets handcuffed and then has to now react in a different universe to that moment happen. Like, that is acting right there. Acting doesn't happen just because you cry on cue throughout a scene. You have to cry on cue and then cry on cue and then cry on cue and then cry on cue. And it has to be all edited together to get the performance. Exactly. Yeah, this is this is amazing. It really is. It's. I mean, acting is obviously nailing it, what you see on screen, but nailing it multiple times in order to flesh out the full scene, to have yeah. all these to create camera that angles continuity. cut out, the cinematic elements of filmmaking there. Right. But what she does, man, it's a magic trick. Eleven. Eleven. Antagonist. Jobu. I think. Yeah, it's got to be Jobu. But also it could be Evelyn. But it's also kind of Evelyn a little bit because it's the decisions she made in her life that created Jobu. Who may or may not be real. Who, you know, it depends on how you watch the movie, but. Oh, I'm going to watch this thing many, many, many more times. So many more times. I have a good feeling that I'm going to take something different away every single time. Yeah, this is definitely, oh, extreme rewatchability. I don't know why, but nine feels right. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And I don't know why. I can't speak if, it to feels why like, it's a nine, but it's definitely it's uh, an eight's not enough. I feel like if it's the part that isn't real, then it almost feels like a cop out. But also, that could just be my interpretation of it, and no one else's, and that kind of makes it a lot of fun. <laughs> and it's that's one way to look at it. Yeah, I don't know why nine feels right. I like nine, regardless of if it's Jobu or it's Evelyn. Right, right. Screenplay. <laughs> I can't even figure this one out. What I, I, how, how, now I know they started working on this in 2010 and I know they got very upset when Into the Spider-Verse came out and I know they stopped watching Rick and Morty while they were writing this because they were like, oh, they're taking all of our ideas. We have to stop watching the show so we can, you know, do something different. Sure. Originally, Evelyn was supposed to have undiagnosed ADHD. Like, what if the main character was so distractible they could tap into other universes? That I would have felt was a cop-out. That, it does feel a little bit like a cop-out, but what I love about this is while they were researching the condition, Dan Quad discovered that he himself had undiagnosed ADHD. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I love the script is so good in that it's like, how do you even come up with this stuff? It's not even how you come up with it. It's how you present it. And then make because it believable. if you go from interior apartment, Joy's tied up, and they're talking about Rakakuni. And then right away, snapping to interior movie theater, a yeah. different universe, China, watching her life play out on screen. And like, there's a the end in the middle of this movie. Yeah, there's a there's a fake out <laughs> ending. Nuts! And I was like, that can't be the end. And then it wasn't. But like, this movie ah, plays with man. it. Man, it really does. 10. It's a magic trick. It's a 10. Style and tone. This has to be an 11. 
my personal feelings about this, what I think is most impressive about the style and tone of this movie is the visual effects for this movie were all done by nine people. That's nuts to me. Two of them were the directors. The majority Man. of the majority of the shots were done by a core group of five people, and none of them had any visual effects training. They did everything. They taught themselves everything with tutorials they found online for free. Learn by doing, man. Which is obscene to me. Um, the high-speed shot where Evelyn goes into the janitor's closet at the beginning of the movie was all yeah. done in camera. <laughs> I'd say practical effects still work. It's absolutely. They, they still they just, work. They lowered the frame rate and had Michelle Yeoh act in slow motion and then brought up to regular speed and that was it. It's got to be an 11. I, I mean, I mean it's, it's off the charts what you see. It's absolutely insane, but it's cohesive and followable and it looks amazing. It really does. And I'm actually sort of excited for one category that's coming up because it didn't impress me and we're going to get to it shortly. Yeah. But first we're going to talk about director. Yeah. How the hell do you direct this? I have no clue how you direct this. I, I get that they wrote it, which definitely helps. Yes. But, but even then, I don't I mean, understand is, how you pull this off. This is next level stuff. It is. And getting again to Michelle Yeoh, I'll go back to the handcuffs where she gets handcuffed. You have to get the actor into that headspace again. Yes. Of where she was at a different location on a different day. Right. Trying to connect all this stuff. That is so impressive. It is so, so, so impressive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's unreal. I'm like trying to think of a way not to fanboy over it. I, like I I'm trying I'm, to find like find a fault somewhere and I'm having trouble. But even even anywhere you might find a fault, it's generally by design. Yeah, that's correct. I'd say um nine. Nine. Again, nine, and I feel bad about it. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Because I feel like a 10 would just be too much fanboy at this point. That's probably like I feel guilty almost. I feel guilty. Let's talk about music. Not impressed. I, there were certain things that I picked out that I was very impressed by, but on the whole, not super memorable, but always appropriate. Agreed. Uh, Sunlux did the the soundtrack the score but two of the things i really really love they did with the music three actually the rock scene where there was no music Thought no music great. no sound yeah that's that's intentional that counts Agreed. the hot dog finger universe <laughs> okay <laughs> everything sounded like it was being played very poorly like people yep. were playing the instruments with hot dog fingers yep and that's an- but they weren't they were playing with their feet well, as it, we've learned in the, later on in the scene where we see them playing with their feet. Yes. But oh, my God, that's <laughs> either way. Amazing. I don't know why you didn't just take the out when I gave it to you there with the feet. You could have said, oh, yeah, that's right, Dave. Yeah, but also but instead been, you're just like, could have also no, been playing with hot dog with fingers and that still would have sounded like shit. <laughs> Fair enough. Intentionally. But I think my favorite thing that they do with the music in this is uh, when they were writing the script, one of the Daniels had this moment of inspiration when. When Waymond is telling Evelyn about the multiverse and he says, your hair never falls in quite the same way, your clothes never wear as well the next day, he didn't realize he was quoting absolutely story of a girl by whatever band from the 90s that was, nine nine days, something like that. He didn't realize he was quoting it. He's like, you know what? I'll leave it in. We'll We'll get back to it. We'll put a better line in there eventually. They never did. It got into the movie. No, I mean, we're the kings of we'll get there. I get it. They reach out to the band. And, you know, the lead singer of, of Nine Days, or whatever the name of the band is, sure. hasn't done much since then. It's a one-hit right. wonder from the 90s. 
He recorded four more versions of the song for the movie. Wow. And each one has different lyrics depending on the universe it's in. And it's absolutely like there is there's a version of the song that's like this is a story of a chef with a raccoon on his head. And it's just it's that's a great touch. It's so good. I think I want to go seven. Okay. And I was actually going to go six until you told me that story. Well, there we go. The story, give it a bump. We got the absolutely story of a girl bump. There it is. Uh, maybe it'll come back. I don't think it will. <laughs> Probably not. Chances are low. Next category is box office. The budget on this movie was $25 million. Somehow. Somehow. I don't. Well, because they <laughs> I don't did, know how. They used free tutorials and, and amateurs for their visual effects. Save but a lot of money. It's so that well way. done. It's, it's like, I would have said this is a $50 million movie. Yeah. Absolutely. It has the look of a movie twice its budget. It has made so far, because, you know, this thing is still out there in the world, $103 million. So that's 412% its budget. Yes, it is. Uh, Other movies that came out the same week as this, it obviously didn't do very well in its opening weekend because it had a limited release, but Lost City, RRR, you know, this movie just came out. You, You know the movies that came out with it. You know, The Batman was still in theaters. Uncharted. Another A24 movie, X, was still playing. It was only in its second week. So this thing ended up finishing 13th in its first week. That's a miss. I wish I saw this thing in theaters. I, I really too. do. I do, too. I regret not going and seeing this when it was in theaters. But it made 412% of its original budget, and I think that makes it a 10. I think it does, too. And we're going to rework that score We are going to look bit. into that. Um, it, it needs some, some adjustment somewhere. It sure does. And we'll figure it out. We will. It's all arbitrary. When it becomes necessary. But for this one, it was going to be a 10. And the final category is impact on the industry. It's still too soon to tell. It's extremely soon to tell on this one, but this has a lot of Oscar buzz behind it. It has a ton, and recently it just led the Indie Spirit Awards nominations. So I am very curious to see what the Academy is going to say during nomination season if they give this thing the look that it deserves. It's definitely the front runner right now for best original screenplay. I mean, it has to be. It has to be. But this is also a weird banger year for movies in general. That's and you true. named a movie that flexed incredibly hard with RRR. Yeah. Which I still can't wait to see. We might get there on this show because I'm dying a little bit to see it. <laughs> but you have all these movies that are flying a little more under the radar now. Yeah. That aren't like big theatrical releases. It's such a strange time, and any one of these movies can just come out of nowhere. It's true. I mean, when you look at the week this came out in the box office, Spider-Man No Way Home was still in its 15th week, and so was Sing 2. The Batman was in its fourth week. Like, the ones you'd expect to be dominating the box office still were. They still were. I think it's too soon to tell, and I feel like we need to give it a five for now (sighs) and feel real bad about it. It feels super low. But it's just too soon to tell. But it, it really is too soon to tell because this is this is very fresh. I have a feeling it's gonna, in retrospect, that's gonna that's gonna feel very low. Someday. and I'll be happy if it does. Yeah, but that is going to give everything, everywhere, all at once, a total score of ninety-one. We have dodged yet another bullet Barely. because the critical score on this is ninety-five percent. The audience score is eighty-nine <laughs> percent. So we got awfully damn. Close. Very close. Everybody who saw this thing loved it. I haven't heard anybody say a bad word about this movie yet. Well, give it a second. All right. Because I pulled three critical reviews off of Rotten Tomatoes. 
First one's from Peter Travers, ABC News. He says, The Daniels and their wow of a star Michelle Yeoh turned this visionary absurdist comedy into a volcano of creative ideas in full eruption. It's like nothing you've ever seen. Absolutely. The way this movie escalates is just unheard of. It makes no sense because about halfway through this movie, I'm like, surely we're in the third act. Surely we're in the third act. <laughs> like, it just has that feeling the whole time, and it just keeps going. It keeps ramping up. Peter Rayner from Film Week says, and this is the, the rotten, so hold on to your butts. All right, let's he hear says, it. He says, this movie suffers from Terry Gilliamitis in that it suffers from too many ideas. It's literally called Everything Everywhere All at Once. Kind of leans right into everything it says it's going to provide, I yeah. think. Yeah. But I mean, if you got to be nitpicky, I mean, yeah. Fine. You know what? There's a little bit fine, too much everything. There's a little bit too much everywhere. And there's a little bit too much all at once. <laughs> I feel overwhelmed. Yes. That is yes. the entire point. <laughs> and A.O. Scott from New York Times says, yes, the movie is a metaphysical multiverse galaxy brain head trip, but deep down. And also, right on the surface, it's a bittersweet domestic drama, a marital comedy, a story of immigrant striving, and a hurt-filled ballad of mother-daughter love. Yes. All of that. A hundred percent. I feel like like a big part of this movie is the, the sacrifice of a parent. And, you know, she has to become this monster so she can understand what her daughter is going through. It's really powerful stuff. It is, and I'm going to take another letterbox review here because from March 30th, 2022, this person said, rocks just made me cry. Yeah, and then googly-eyed so, rocks you showed go. up and made it worse. Rocks don't just make you cry. If there's no context surrounding these two rocks having a conversation. Exactly, exactly. I'm going to toot my own horn. This movie kicked ass. I knocked it out of the park. You crushed Thank it. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, hat tip. I don't know why I'm saying thank you like I made the fucking thing. I just picked it to talk about uh, <laughs> a week. You in, in a week. You barely beat me by a week to it, so. Right. <laughs> I'll take all the praise. It's fine. Thank you, Dave. You're all welcome. But now, Brian, I got to ask you. Yeah. The Beer Me a Movie, what are we talking about next week? Next week. Uh, well, let's see. We've talked about a, a couple movies from the early aughts. We've talked about a movie from the 2010s. We've now talked about a movie from the 2020s. And we've talked about a movie from the 80s. Something that's lacking there is our sweet, sweet 90s. And just to tease it a little bit more, we've talked about some action movies. We've talked about some sci-fi stuff, some multiverse. We really haven't gotten into like a pure drama. Okay. Something, something serious. Something. I mean, this, this touched on, this touched so many different genres that, you know, it's, yeah. It's hard to do something different after this because this does everything. You are laying this tease on so thick. I am. I am. Um, we're going to be talking about Goodwill Hunting. That is a fantastic pick. <laughs> it's one of those movies that I don't watch that often. Right. But whenever I do, I'm, I go, fuck me, that's a good movie. Directed by Gus Van Sant. Oscar winning screenwiters with Matt and, Damon and, and Ben Affleck. Written by Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Man, what so, a great pick. That's going to that's gonna satisfy our, our 90s hole that we have right now. That needs <laughs> that's to be what filled. we call it, our yeah. 90s hole. So how do you like them 90s apples? I feel like you're setting me up a little bit to start digging deep into the past. And I might have to start like inching my way back there with some of my picks coming up. I, mean, I can't like dive full-blown into classic Hollywood yet where I want to live my life <laughs> with all the movies I want for forever and ever. But I might have to start inching soon. Uh, the door's open. 
You know? It's starting to open. I mean, you just did a movie from this year. So I feel like it's yeah. like, if you want to go back a little bit, you've you've given yourself some leeway. Fair enough. <laughs> but next week we're gonna be talking goodwill hunting. Until then, thank you guys for listening. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe on all the platforms. Join us on Patreon this month for our first ever crappy hour episode where we're gonna be talking about Kirk Cameron's Saving Christmas. It's been called the worst Christmas movie of all time. And on Crappy Hour, our goal is to find the silver lining in the worst movies ever made because the rule that me and Brian live by is you got to celebrate the bad while tearing down the good. Not everything's complete shit. Not everything's perfect. Exactly. There's always a hole. We're really going to test it with Crappy Hour. We, we, that's the idea. It'll, it'll be fun to try to find something good and redeeming from these movies. <laughs> We're um, going to try. We didn't do a great job of tearing this one down today but no we did a bad job but 91 there's 91 there yeah you know what we were harder on it than the critics were exactly <laughs> be sure to email your questions and comments about our previous episodes to beer me a movie pod at gmail.com and you can follow us on social media at beer me a movie on facebook instagram youtube twitch and at beer me a movie pod on twitter it's somehow holding on it's still holding on as of this recording and any questions or comments you have about past movies Send them in. We will address them on whatever show we get to that week or whatever it might be. It's really hard to post the movie that we're going to be talking about the next week. We might be able to do it a little bit better after the holidays. Yeah. But the show is really about the surprise. We kind of want you guys to join us on the journey of watching all these movies with us. So we don't want to spoil the next week. Exactly. For the people who haven't listened to episodes yet. Yeah. But send in whatever questions you have. We will get there. That's a promise. Absolutely. For real, we'll get there. For real. Uh, be sure to send in your suggestions for, for movies you want to hear for our audience pick. Uh, this month, it is going to be a week early on account of our Christmas special at the end of the month, which we've hinted at one movie. It's not going to be that movie. It's not going to be that movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cooler heads have prevailed. Yeah, we- <laughs> Brian and I talked and went, what were we thinking? Walk Hard isn't exactly a Christmas movie. <laughs> as much as I'd love to talk about it on an annual basis, uh, it's it's not quite not quite the the movie for the season. Do you think maybe we should put it up to the audience for which of the two movies we talk about? I like that idea. And just put this out as a disclaimer before we put out the two movies that we're kind of debating between, because. It might just be the movie that we just post every year on Christmas yeah, at that it could, point. it could just become a Beer Me a Movie Christmas classic. It could be. Uh, Brian and I have fully agreed to make it a drunk episode. Yes, the nog will be flowing. It will be, and we're going to record our January Patreon episode before recording the drunk episode, so you can kind of hear uh, <laughs> the slippery, inebriated slope that we're going to go down. You can follow us down Until the you hole. hear- what the rabbit hole looks like. The the rock bottom of the rabbit hole will be that Christmas <laughs> episode. Wearing googly eyes, I'm sure. Right. So the two movies that we are debating, because we want to make it a Christmas classic, they are A Christmas Story and National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Both bangers. Both have their reason for being the one you pick. And you know what? Honestly, I couldn't choose, so I'm glad you get to. I couldn't choose either, <laughs> and now I'm glad we're off the hook. Yeah. So we'll put out that poll shortly soon and we are still doing an audience listener pick for december it's just going to be uh for the week of the 19th instead of the last week of the month there you go so if you already have your picks in from last month they have rolled over except for one of michael carlstrom's picks if he wants to you know send us another one and uh if you don't have your picks in get them in quick because 
the next episode we record, we're going to be revealing what it is. And if you already submitted a pick and you want to change it, just write and say you want to change it. Yep. That's fine. Bearmeamoviepod.gmail.com. It's a living list. And on that note, Brian, you got anything else? That's it. Fantastic. We're going to see you guys next week for Goodwill Hunting. We'll see you then. Oh, great. Buster Max sense next week. I don't like them apples, but see you then.